Welcome back to another episode of No Express Purpose. It's been a while. How long has it been? Oh, man. Seems like decades. It's been a few weeks. Um, But there's been a lot going on, and we just wanted to wait until the opportune moment to really hit you with well-prepared material, um, which will come at a later date. So we're not there yet. But we thought we'd add this episode in the meantime. (laughs) Uh, I'm here with my frequent guest and hater of all things, Zach Pritchard. I don't hate everything. Well, we'll see about that. And, uh, yeah, what are we going to talk about today, Zach? You really are the guest. Uh, you're the guest. Um, now I'm the, I'm sorry, you're the host. I'm the guest. You're right. Um, I don't know. What are we going to talk about? I know there's been a lot of... Uh, We've talked about TIFFs. We said we were going to talk about TIFFs. Okay, let's talk about them. It's let's start a, talking about TIFFs. It's been so. a... I think popular topic here locally. It lately. certainly is. I've seen uh, my friend Kirk Ridenauer's face in the newspaper more times than probably ever in his life. <laughs> um, so, TIFFs. Let's give a brief overview. This is a conversation that City's been having for a little while now that's led up to some formal creation of a few review committees for a statutory tool called a tax increment financing. Or was that? That's it. No, that's right. That's tax incremental. That's the acronym. Yeah. Anyway, to create a geographic district within your city and collect increment above a an established baseline in either or sales tax or ad valorem um, to use for a specific purpose. Yeah, I mean, I, I think before we get too technical about it, that was just um, that wasn't even technical. That was just well, it's easy to get. It's I think it's easy to get. Kind of you're right. quickly on this. We found that with, with um, this. but I think it's helpful to understand sort of the maybe the background. And I mean, TIF districts, TIF financing is something that's been around for a number of years, more than a generation, and it's actually been uh, you know part of the Oklahoma system here for I think maybe since the election of 1990, maybe 1992. Uh, the citizens actually passed a constitutional amendment by vote of the people to add this provision to um, the state constitution for, to allow for this. Um, and you know, what you, what you just said a minute ago is correct, Adam, but the, the general idea of this, this, of the tiffing process is a, a city or a County um, takes an existing tax re- tax source. So in mostly ad valorem taxes, property taxes, and then is able to, redirect that from where it would typically go into a different purpose. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's really this opportunity that the voters, uh, the people of Oklahoma decided was a good idea, um, a tool to give to local governments um, to have more control over some revenue streams and to use those, you know, for local purposes and to, to help grow those communities and improve those communities that way. And so, you know, 25 years later, the city of McAllister is deciding to use that tool. Hey, okay. So you said it's typically ad valorem. Yes. Is that true in Oklahoma? Yes, very much so. And it doesn't have to be either, or it can be a combination of the two of sales tax and ad valorem. Correct. That is correct. Okay. Um, so we, Let's see. How did this process start? A few. It was brought to a 
city. I think Kirk presented it. The director of economic development at the city presented it to the council. That was kind of the initial public hearing on it, and it went through a few different council meetings, kind of raised some um, public interest in what looked like, I don't know. Well, I mean, it did start, It. I mean, that was certainly part of the process, but I mean, I think even before then. Right, right. And and I think, you know, because we really have here in McAllister have a, I mean, just in this short amount of time with these two different districts that have been proposed, a really broad spectrum of what you can do with TIF financing. Yeah, for sure. Um, But I, I really think the conversation in the community started with, you know, local interested people in uh, property owners and business owners, people that were looking for ways to to really improve this community and sort of, uh, you know, I don't know, ways to ways to fund some improvement projects that weren't getting done other way otherwise. And then I think that, you know, I think I think that was really the genesis of this. I mean, it was really in a lot of ways was I mean, certainly, uh, you know, Kirk's been really involved, but was was a was a citizen thing from the beginning right 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 um, i, I kind of meant more like just the, the public um announcement of it in the process yeah. since then but i know that there's been a lot of conversation in the background before that um when was it we had leslie bachelor come down and she gave a presentation about it here august it must have been now or before was, then it i want to say i may have been six months ago wow um, yeah i'm trying to think i can't remember I don't think I had a, I have a four month old daughter now. I don't think she was born yet. So got it. I think it must've been pre Rosalie at least for, you know, four or five months ago. Um, it's kind of how I, you know, keep time now before, before and after, um, Rosalie. Yeah. So she is a lawyer who works a lot with TIFFs came down and gave a presentation and that was for me, that was the first that I really heard a lot of the details and she provided what I felt like were a lot of examples of what I've come to understand are more creative uses of the TIF than maybe is normal in Oklahoma. Would you say that? Yeah. I mean, I'm certainly, not, I, I'm not an expert on this process and I don't know, you know, I don't really know. I don't know how many TIFs have been done in this, in the state of Oklahoma. I'm not entirely sure on the sure. different uses. I mean, I'm, I studied quite a bit the ones that have been done in Oklahoma City, and there's maybe they've done ten now or something. Um, I've talked with a, in a, in a group, uh, a lady from Bartlesville came down who administered some of their TIFs, um, actually some residential TIFs. So I know some, something about that. But I mean, there's all kinds of different ways you can use them. Yeah, they're um, they're pretty wide open within the statutes. Yeah, I mean, de- definitely. I mean, there's a lot of leeway given. Um, but, you know, I mean, they're not they're not without criticism um, because a lot of times across the country, um, and even within Oklahoma, I'm sure, and I think maybe even within McAllister, um, what these things are used is as a way to sort of take, you know, take local tax, uh, whatever, revenue sources and then divert those into... Uh, you know, some large private development projects. And, you know, when you start to go down that road, it can get kind of dicey. Um, but, you know, TIS can have really like beneficial uses too. I mean, you start looking at a community like McAllister, especially in some of the older parts of town that are in, you know, critical need of, of I mean, the, the buildings, the roads, the water systems are yeah. in critical need of repair. Um, and, you know, it, we're sitting down here, 
on Choctaw and McAllister. And, you know, as much as I really care for this part of town, um, you know, if this thing's going to thrive, we are talking about relatively large amounts of investment, not just private investment, but public investments sure. to repair and maintain some of that stuff. And so you start to look around and say, well, how can we do that? Um, and, and doing some TIF financing is certainly a good uh, option to have. But additionally, you start to say, what happens if we don't do this? Right. You know, what happens if we continue another generation of, of disrepair for sure. this part? Where it is does, truly the alternative here? Yeah, oh, and it is. I mean, that's what we've been doing. And I mean, if you talk right. to city leadership and, and you start to examine the city budget, um, I think that's, you know, generally the plan is to not do much repair or maintenance work because we think we can't afford it um, for close to the next generation. <laughs> that's a long time. Right. And so, so you know, so the TIF, the idea of the TIF uh, really kind of grew, or at least for the downtown one, really grew out of this idea of how do you, you know, without maybe being able to increase taxes, without having much money available in the budget right now, how do you do something to nudge others to take action? How do you mm-hmm. begin to do something to sort of to shift, to change the paradigm um, and to change the direction the community is going? And when I say the, the direction the community is going, I mean physically, like mm-hmm. how do you, um, change the you know the the, the momentum yeah the, well I mean the well not just the momentum but, but physically how do you change mm. the failing status of the roadways how do you change the failing status sure. of the sidewalks how do you how do you repair these water systems how do you accomplish these objectives um, just how do you do it well to me it and and we need to discuss the two different proposed tiffs right now because I think like you said they're 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 pretty uh, variant from one another. <clears throat> but uh, the the downtown one seems to me to really jive with the idea that uh, Chuck Marone brought up when he came and visited the Strong Towns director and, and spoke about um, sideline capital. And <clears throat> a TIF uh, isn't going to just create wealth automatically, obviously. Um, it, it increases the revenue, the tax revenue that's going to a specific purpose. And the hope is that it will increase wealth over time, but it's more of a, to me, it's more of a, like a, a social and kind of a psychological bet to say like, we're, we're seeing what we can bring out from kind of the woodwork here to, to put into this area. We're seeing what kind of wealth is available in the community who, if there is a, you know, this kind of breath of fresh air down on Choctaw, somebody might be more interested now in, in investing more of their wealth into, you know, the private side of what's needed here. And like you mentioned, there's there's definitely both private investment and public investment needed in, in both infrastructure, in um, the, the main street, streetscape plan, stuff like that. Um, but there are a lot of opportunities here still for for private developers to come in who have, who have caught onto this vision of what, of that kind of turning of the tide, um, and want to be a part of it. And I think a TIF is a kind of a beacon in that way. It's to me, a TIF done well is kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy. And I know some of them are literally that in that they, 
they borrow against the the proposed or you know the, the estimated you know returns on those and and I think that's probably less wise um, in a lot of scenarios or just incurring debt in in general I think is less wise in a lot of scenarios but um, for this downtown tiff and and there's not a plan yet obviously so both both of our proposed tiff districts that are in McAllis right now are in the review committee like process they have not actually gotten plans set up to take to the city council right that's correct so there's not actually there there's just kind of rumblings uh, so far of what people have discussed might be options but they're still being investigated in terms of the physical boundaries the um which taxes they're looking into um what they're even i know with the downtown one what what, what they're even intending to do with those funds um but the idea being that it is something for the downtown one at least that would incentivize investment and maybe even enable some investment in this district right no i mean i i think you're something you said this idea of sideline capital is is important um, and, you know, done correctly, I think that's what the downtown tip district does is it begins to activate some of the capital that is in the community, maybe mm-hmm. even outside of the community, mm-hmm. um, drawing it in here and then redeploys or deploys it in a manner that is going to be good long term for the sustainability of this community. Um, and, you know, once that gets going, it just kind of if you have the tip district in place, it just keeps going and going and going and, and kind of builds upon itself. Um, so that's the importance of the tiff district down here. Cause you know, this is, I mean, or I, th- I think if we do it correctly, this is not down here. This is not this one mega project. This is not sending a bunch of money to an outside development. This is doing small things, mm-hmm. whether that is, you know, improving sidewalks, whether that is uh, doing some street facades or yes. Sure. Yeah, so anyway, incremental incremental thing. And you got down here on Chata, you've got so much opportunity because you can do some really little things. Like you could you can improve sidewalks. You can do, like you said, facade grants. But there's so many, uh, you know, storefronts. There's so many buildings, so many businesses that you have the opportunity uh, to, to, to really improve, to get going, to become vibrant. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, I think this community and other communities all across the country make this mistake of looking to, well, we're going to do a project and we're going to get these these manufacturers to come in. We're going to get this retail center to come in. We're going to get all these businesses. We're going to make but, a bid for Amazon. But what really happens in those models is generally businesses owned by, you know, either privately owned or, or publicly owned uh, businesses come in from outside your community. And then all that profitability from those businesses goes to those shareholders, goes to those owners, which are largely outside of your community. What the community really should be focused on is creating an environment, a, you know, a, a regulatory environment, a physical environment that attracts people or attracts businesses that are going to be based here. And so the profitability mm-hmm. or a larger percentage of the profitability and the corresponding wealth stays within the community. Yeah, you don't just want revenue passing through here. You want the profit to you land want, here. Yes, you want profitability. I mean, and if you if you're if you're sort of on the fence or, or thinking through this idea, all you need to do is go to Northwest Arkansas. Absolutely. Um, you just need to go to Bentonville and see, man, Bentonville is so nice. Or the Rogers, world, the or world hub of retail. Yes. And that is largely because 
wealth from McAllister and wealth from thousands of communities like McAllister through the profitability of corporations like Walmart have been extracted. And Walmart's just one. I mean, there's dozens, hundreds. Sure, sure. Um, corporations, uh, big businesses extract that profitability and then concentrate it generally wherever, wherever their headquarters are. So for communities like McAllister, and you know, it's unlikely we're ever going to have a business startup that's going to be like McAllister, but we need to be doing things that are going to encourage you know, people to start businesses, people to grow businesses, people to grow other organizations that are able to attract, um, you know, are able to attract uh, profitability or able to attract wealth to the community. Absolutely. And that's something, that's why something like Choctaw, uh, you know, Avenue or downtown McAllister matters is one of the reasons it matters is because it's, it has all these different uh, physically, it has all these different, uh, you know, locations, all these buildings with different sizes and work for businesses at different stages. So, you know, it's this is a long term idea. This is a long term vision. This is a long term opportunity, long term challenges, too. Uh, but implementing something like a TIF, uh, you know, a TIF, TIF financing district to get things going, to nudge things to begin is is important um, and matters. Absolutely. I think, though, I mean, what you're talking about is related to the TIF, but not necessarily um, exclusive to talking about a TIF, obviously. But as we're discussing these TIFs, let's talk about, well, first let's talk about the the two proposed districts. Mm-hmm. Okay, we have the uh, the downtown TIF. I can't remember down what the, what the actual name we'll of the community is. We'll call it downtown. The downtown TIF. And then the South Side or 14th Street um, TIF. Okay, mm-hmm. and and we're talking about very um, a- almost ends of the spec. Well, again, we no, don't know the actual plans yet, but potentially ends of the spectrum. Yeah, I think right? that's I think that's a fair statement. So while we're talking about the downtown TIF being a um, an incremental and widespread in terms of its its uh, effect. As far as private owners, private mm-hmm. developers, um, and and honestly, probably not a ton of revenue in comparison. I don't think that's true, actually. Well, we need to see the math. Honestly, that depends on what they choose from the ad valorem and the boundaries that they set. Um, the, well, I mean, there, there's a lot of. I'm gonna. I know you're asking a question, but I've got to interject here yeah, because I mean, it. just if you look at the south side of Tata, I think it's Avenue, Choctaw Avenue, um, from Main Street to the next street, which is Second Street. Sure, there are more square foot, or there's a, a about the same amount of square feet right there under roof. Oh, right, right. right. As there is in that entire development. No, total, total. I, that I is, think there was a house of staples out on the highway. So right. Sorry, let me say this. Again. I, don't, I don't think that's right that there's less opportunity down no there. no no i mean in terms of the actual funds that would be diverted to the tiff itself so if we took only real property mm-hmm. within the boundaries that are proposed from essentially why not to uh, washington adams and from main street to sixth um and got like five percent growth on average um from what so I went to the the downtown TIF uh, review committee meeting and asked um, the county assessor Michelle a few questions about it. We were looking at it, and from from what it looked like, and again this was in the middle of the meeting or like after the meeting, this was kind of just cursory glance. 
to me, it looked like, I mean, we were, if we just looked at real property, not personal property, because that's all over the place, but, you know, buildings essentially, buildings and land, that we were looking at maybe generating twenty five, $30,000 a year from that to this You tip. mean, well, in what year? Well, from the baseline. Okay. Yeah, start, starting from the, the year of the baseline. Yeah, and we're talking about TIFFs can last up to 25 years. Um, it sounded like that wasn't initially what they were looking at, maybe 10 or 15 years. But, yeah, obviously you want to see that growth. I think, honestly, I think the, the opportunity for the wealth creation here is not necessarily in the actual TIF funds, but in what you're talking about, like the fact that there is so much opportunity for retail square footage down here. We could we could bring in a lot more sales tax generating and a lot more um, property tax raising um, businesses and tenants here than just that than just as factored into that um, TIF equation, mm-hmm. right? But I mean, comparatively, we're looking at a um, a district that uh, is is. Existing businesses and a lot of vacancies, um, but it's not what seems to be kind of the norm of TIF designed to wrap around a single development. Okay. Okay. Whereas 14th Street Southside, that's what we're looking at. We're looking at a a TIF that is structured to be part of a larger project essentially part of the incentive package is that right well i'm not as familiar with this one but I i'm not either so. I'm, uh, I'm kind of asking <laughs> i think i mean that's my understanding of it it's we're, t- we're talking about there a a tiff that is um designed to capture future revenue on an undeveloped piece of land as part of an incentive package for the developer to actually put in that Improvement. I believe that's correct. Okay. I mean, it's just it's it's way different. It's it's one approach of saying we have something we want to we want to again take this existing tax, um, but we want to be able to collect it to improve it to maintain it, and in lots of little different ways. Mm-hmm. And this is sort of the downtown one and the the. 14th street the south side project is completely the opposite it's saying we don't have anything here we want to take this potential tax and we want to divert it to sort of close some sort of funding gap for an for a for a relatively large development company with some even larger uh you know tenants and then we want to put that in with this money mm-hmm. it's they're, they're completely opposite um I mean, when you just start looking at, I mean, well, not when you start, but something else we haven't talked about is, is the cost that this community is going to incur by doing something like this new 14th Street project. I mean, we are talking about putting in, you know, new roadways, new water lines, um, new sewer lines, all the way to these, um, uh, you know, we're talking about pro- providing fire and police protection. Um to these businesses, you know? And so I sit down here at my part of town at Choctaw, or I sit down at somebody else's part of town across town and my, my road, my street is crumbling. And I say, we can't even fix this. And now we're going to go buy, you know, new 
or we're not going to buy new. We're going to put in new infrastructure over here to support this project. It's just, it's so, it's such a concentration of our resources, whether it's through the TIF district or through the TIF funding or just through general funding. Anything, yeah. Yeah, it's a concentration of our resources in a really narrow area and for a really, really narrow purpose, you know. Mm. Um, Because, I mean, the downtown area is relatively narrow too. But the thing about it is, is these buildings are really adaptable. I mean, they can be used for many different things. And, I mean, if you've lived here any amount of time, you realize a lot of these have been. Mm -hmm. Once we get into this real big highway development out here, those buildings are not adaptable. They're mm-hmm. not open to a lot of different uses. You know, if you want to start a, a small business, you're even if they got vacancy out there in this new retail, retail development, you're not you're un, very unlikely to ever be out there. Yeah, sure. Um, you're not going to have a home. You're going to be looking for a a something that's smaller, something that's cheaper. Um, you know, something that you can get started in. And, uh, you know, and, and that's what we should be looking for as a community. Um, so why do you say that? Why do you think that is something comparatively that we should be looking for as a community? Well, because that little person, that person that starts out small and gets their business growing, uh, they are much, much more likely to, you know, continue to reside in this community. And once that business becomes successful, and especially if that business is based upon people from outside, from doing businesses from with people, customers from outside of our community, then what happens is, and even if it's just people within the community, but that profitability that that business has, that owner lives here, right? So that money stays in this community. That goes to a myriad of things. That goes to maybe improving the building, maybe improving that person's home, um, investing in local charities. If we go buying from other retailers, yes, let's say that person starts up a because I mean, obviously something that we did or a store, I say obviously, but a store that's been talked about for a long time on this 14th Street development is Hobby Lobby. Right. So the difference between Hobby Lobby and a, a small local sort of I don't even know what the hell you call Hobby Lobby. What is Hobby Lobby? What do they sell? Crafts. Crafts. I don't okay. know. So if I have a startup craft business or a, a locally owned craft business here in McAllister, sure. and, and understand me, like the craft, the locally owned stuff has to do a good job. They've got to be able to compete. Like they've got to run their business well. But assuming that happens and they're successful, that profitability, that wealth stays within this right. community and gets circled around. Out on Hobby Lobby, that money goes to the Green family in Oklahoma City. That doesn't. I think that doesn't stay live. here. That doesn't stay here. No. Right. And so what we are proposing as a community right now is to take our existing resources and make it easier for the for the Hobby Lobbies of the world to make money and in turn extract wealth from this community. The reason we can't fix our roads is because we've been doing this for a generation or two. Sending our money away. Sending our profitability away, yes. And exchanging those, you know, and we talk economic development all across the country talks about jobs. We need jobs, jobs, jobs. We don't need jobs. We need wealth, you know. We need uh, people who can have opportunities to build something for themselves, to build something for their families. And a lot of times that can be a job, but, but oftentimes it's not. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes it is the ability to own something, the ability to control something and then grow it. Mm-hmm. That's what, you know, it, it's, a, it's a paradigm shift, mm-hmm. um, but we can and should be sort of on the leading edge of making this paradigm shift. And we have this, and this tip, this tip financing thing in, in the city of McAllister has, it's, it's almost impossible to ignore um, the opportunity it creates to say, what side of the paradigm are we going to be on? Mm-hmm. Are we going to be 
Are we going to continue to go down this path we've been on for the last 30 or 40 years and, and sort of see how that has affected our community? Or are we going to take this opportunity to take stock of the situation and say, this isn't working. Like mm-hmm. what we've been doing, you know, we've got, we've got a lot of highway development. Right. And it and doesn't help. I think that the, and you mentioned this earlier too, but the, the implicit deferred maintenance, okay, with greenfield development. And, and I, obviously I'm a fan of rehabbing old stuff, but beyond just like a personal preference, like we, you mentioned the roads that I think we had an, an outside, you know, third party company come in and basically do an assessment and say, and I may be wrong on this, but I I think that essentially the, the ruling was, okay, you you guys basically need to spend $2 million a year on roads, like just to maintain what you currently have, which is what it's, it's somewhere between 150 and 200 miles of roads or something in the It's a lot. Yeah. Um, and, and you're, you're talking about a, a generation or probably more even not just of, not just of focusing on those kind of big projects that end up actually draining the wealth from the community for the sake of maybe potentially some, some greater revenue mm-hmm. in, in terms of tax, um, but where the profitability lands elsewhere. Not just those in terms of the businesses themselves or maybe even the developments, but also the additional yes. infrastructure that goes into those. Like yes, you're getting you're getting you're getting on both sides. You're right. You're you're decreasing the wealth in your community, mm-hmm. the private wealth, and then you're increasing the the responsibility, the infrastructure responsibility of your city. Right. So it's costing this development is taking wealth from the people who live in this community and it is also costing them through their participation in the city and the right. municipality county. Um, more. it is costing them more. Right. Yes. So it, it gets you twice. Well, yeah. And I, I said infrastructure, and, but you, but you mentioned also police and fire, which is oh, somewhere huge. it's, it's, I think 90% of our, um, tax revenue goes towards that. Yes. It's, I mean, yeah. Yeah, you have to, I mean, these places are things that require, you know, large amounts of police and fire protection. I mean, there's lots of, um, you know, there's lots of stuff that happens at these places and then they necessitate all that, all that resources. I mean, I talked earlier a little bit about how, you know, the south side of Choctaw from Maine to Second Street, how that's the about the same amount of square feet as the development that Staples and what else is out there, the shoe yeah. store. Um, that's about the same amount of area under under roof. retail square footage yeah well it's not all it doesn't have to all be retail down here on choctaw sure um but think about the amount of roadway that is required and, and i don't have those numbers off the top of my head the amount of water line the amount of sewer line that is required and if you start looking at that like per square foot or per acre it is significantly less for the choctaw type development than uh, the Staples center type development it's just, it's, it's not even close. I mean, that development is so much larger. It's so much further. Um, so you've got all this, all these connections to pay for. Um, so it's just much more financially responsible and uh, beneficial for us Efficient. as a community. What'd you say? Efficient. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, and it's interesting you say that because a lot of people would be like, oh, well, we build this Staples development because it's really efficient to build. 
Um, and, and that may be true, but it's it's considering you know a really really short period of time, maybe right. that six month of construction versus the the generation or two or three of uh, maintenance that is going to be required to go along with that. It's just right. it's very very uh, it's very very short focused or, or short sighted, but at the same time too, when you know when people when communities um, get into situations where they feel desperate where they feel like they have to do something, it's really easy to, um, and it's perfectly understandable, and everybody does this, I mean, I do it on a daily basis, is to make decisions that are are sacrificing or going to negatively affect your future, future yeah. for immediate things. Sure. And and I'm just saying that over time, and, you know, we've been doing this in McAllister for, I said a generation, you said two, and, and maybe longer than that, and we've been doing it nationally and you begin to see the effects on these cities. You begin to see the effects on these communities. I mean, we have in the city of McAllister, this is just anecdotal, but we have our high school pep rallies in a parking lot in Walmart. That's the effect, you know, a generation or two of these, of these policies. We (laughs) no longer have enough sense of a community we no longer have enough pride. We maybe don't even have a place to have a pep rally. That's anymore. our third space. Yes, is the parking lot. The parking lot of Walmart. Actually, it's the abandoned parking lot. In I was going to say, Walmart. isn't even the, the grass space in, yes. the, in front of the that parking just, lot? You know, I don't know. That's just one anecdote. But that's that's where you begin to apply these policies, and you get to this really distorted um, physical and community uh, reality. All right. Let's get back Man, to... I do hate a lot of things. <laughs> I was just thinking, what are we going to call this? I mean, there's so much. I just hate so many just things hate I've hated in this podcast. <laughs> Zach hates pep rallies. I hate parking lots. I do hate parking lots. That, parking there you lots go. We can terrible. Uh, okay, let's get back to talking about the about these these tips in general. And, and this yeah. is actually, I'm, I'm wondering, um, because this applies to both, although in different ways, um, you know, you're diverting tax dollars. I mean, hopefully you're creating. Yeah, more that's the idea well. is that these taxes don't exist unless you do the TIF. Like the development absolutely. never happens. Absolutely. But once that's actually a test that it must pass, a legal test that must pass. The development would not happen but for these TIFs. Great. So you're not actually diverting anything. It's rev- it's tax revenue that would never have been created without the the tax incremental financing. Right. That's the idea. So you're not actually stealing, or you're not actually borrowing, or and yet, and yet they still tend to get a bad rap, um, particularly in terms of education, right? Um, so you have this entity. You talk about the county and all the other um, entities that are funded by the county, and they're not as affected by a TIF district because it's smaller in comparison to their whole geographic area, but a school or a school district is is funded by that lorem in that particular school district they're going to be just mathematically more affected um than than the other taxing entities who are required to be part of these review committees what's 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 true there what um why did tiff why does tiff get a bad rap in terms of its effect on education what's true and what what can you do about it when you're building them TIFs could certainly be have negative impacts on school districts, and I think they probably have. Sure, that's probably why they have this reputation. This downtown McAllister TIF district 
has the opportunity to be one of the most beneficial things that's happened in terms of local funding for the McAllister Public School System in a long time. And, and I say that in, in really one main way, but for a long time, uh, most of or a large percentage of the development money that gets spent in the city of McAllister. So if that's retail, if that's office space, even if that's residential housing, most of that money is is being spent outside. It's being spent within the McAllister city limit boundaries, but outside of the boundaries of the McAllister public school system. So if, you know, I'm building a new house, there's a really good chance I'm going to build it outside of McAllister Public Schools. So if they're interested in getting ad valorem taxes from that property, they're not going to get any. You mean just because that's where land is for new development? Yeah, a lot of the new development over the last 20 years in the city of McAllister, maybe 30 years, has occurred outside of the McAllister Public School System. Okay. So a lot of the ad valorem tax base for this community or this school system has been eroded because of the development pattern of this city. Okay. I mean, the 14th Street project we're talking about, that is not in the city of McAllister. Right. The, that is in the city of McAllister, not in the McAllister Public School System District. Right. So this TIF is important in that regard because it has an opportunity to refocus um, development resources, uh, monies, back into the McAllister Public School System you know, so that we can encourage people to build more centrally and then eventually, over time, that helps the ad valorem collections of the McAllister Public School. Additionally, though, and this is a little more technical, is the way state fund or the way the school funding works in Oklahoma is they have funding from different things, but generally they get local funding, the ad valorem taxes, but they also get state aid. So the, the state of Oklahoma will provide funding to the schools, and that's a kind of a complicated process about how they arrive at that. But, you know, a district like McAllister is receiving a significant amount of state aid. Okay. Uh, but the way this works is for every dollar in ad valorem taxes, so property taxes that the, the district collects that gets offset or their state aid rather gets offset. So you is know, it dollar for dollar? Yeah. So every, so let's say this, let's say every school district in the state of Oklahoma gets based upon their enrollment gets an allotment of state aid. Sure. And then they start based upon ad valorem collections, collections, and a couple other things, start doing what are called chargeables. And those chargeables are essentially subtracted from the state aid. Right. Okay. So McAllister does not have enough chargeables, does not have enough local aid um, to, to entirely offset that. Right. So the McAllister is getting a significant amount of state aid. And I need to go back and, and double check this. I should have before we started talking. But I, I think it's a pretty big number. I think the property taxes in the city of McAllister collections or not the city of McAllister, but the McAllister public school, school system, district. it's either they would have to double or they would have to triple before they got to zero. Okay. So what would essentially happen is let's say the ad valorem taxes collections in the McAllister public school system double. Okay. The McAllister public school system would receive zero dollars in increased funding. Right. They would end up. Net, they, would they would net zero. That's correct. Right. But if you did this. If it is dollar for dollar. I'm, I'm trying to think. It I is dollar. Like I, it's definitely dollar for okay, dollar. Okay. Great. Um, if you do. I say it's definitely. I sounded awfully confident. I may be wrong. I just, I'm trying to think. I feel like I heard that it wasn't, but I, I can't remember. But regardless, something that doesn't count as a chargeable is if we did a TIF district and then we say, okay, let's say 10%. Let's say 20%. Let's say 100% 
I'm not advocating for that, but um, let's say a percentage of the revenues raised by the tip district is then given back to the school system. Sure. That doesn't count as a chargeable. Absolutely. So the state, the school system gets to maintain their level of state aid and get that ad valorem collection from that property. Right. So and you I, can, you can achieve this really immediate uh, benefit of increasing ad valorem collections and not reducing the, the or not having the offset um, from the state aid and this longer term objective of saying of actually going raising to, the yes baseline. of raising the avalorm sure. so that someday we will be a district that doesn't get state aid because that's really what you want to be is you want to be a district that not only doesn't get state aid but that has more ad valorem collections than your state aid would be right. you want to have enough wealth in your community to support your to schools support your sp- especially sure. in a political environment that we're seeing right now I mean, it doesn't seem like anybody at the state capitol really cares too much about the children of McAllister or the children of Stillwater or the children of, of anywhere, for that of matter. It doesn't seem like they care about too much of anything sure. but themselves. And that's what this is, this, this TIF financing, is a great opportunity. If you, look, if you read the statute, it's, I think, the Local, the local Development Act, maybe. Mm. It's this opportunity to take control of our future and say, we want to take these taxes we want to grow our community this way. We don't want to be relying on Oklahoma sure. City, which I mean, is a good like thing. It's just like family finances. It's, it's, it's financial independence for a municipality. I it's, mean, it's a step in that direction. Right. Yeah. You, like you said, double or triple property values to get there. But yeah, I, so I did some research on how um, education or, or school districts and, and TIFs have kind of played together in other places as well. And I found some interesting articles from Illinois. Uh, basically, there, there's another funding mechanism there. I can't remember the acronym, but TIFs and this other thing, uh, sort of speaking negatively against them because they disproportionately benefit the school districts in those districts. Yeah, I mean, I we should be clear about this. I don't know if we should be clear about this. Maybe we shouldn't talk about this. But if the city McAllister does a tip that benefits McAllister public school system, that's going to hurt. That is going to have a negative impact on other school systems throughout the state of Oklahoma. Absolutely. Yes. Because, because McAllister, McAllister will state receive aid funds does not that, get reduced. Yeah. They will receive funding from, no, again, hopefully. As long as, yeah. as long as our, um, our ad valorem in the, in the TIF district is raised above the baseline where it's assessed when the TIF begins, McAllister and and a portion of it within the TIF plan is allotted to the schools. Yes. That's, just, that's but, sort of the caveat there. Yeah, yeah. If that happens. Yeah. And and I don't think I, I wouldn't support a, a TIF plan that didn't include that. Yeah, sure. Like you said, it, it can include it's it's wide open. It can be ten percent, it can be hundred percent. I mean our school should be part of this. Our school should be a big way that Absolutely. we Absolutely. And there are there required member on the community. There are required member on the committee, and I think that that's that needs they, to be a huge thing. Yeah. Um but as long as that is part of the plan and as long as our ad valorem does increase as a result of this, above the baseline that's established at the beginning of the TIF, they will receive funding that does not go against, that does not get counted as a chargeable, that does not go against their offset for state funding, and they will receive more per capita, more per student than other school districts in the state. That's correct. Like, just fact. There's there's, there's no way around that. These, these, these are the facts. And then in 25 years, if you're successful at the end of the life of the TIF district, then the school system has enough ad valorem collections to sustain itself for the next generation. 
So that said, why then? And you mentioned, you know, it can be done poorly and surely it has, but why then is there this reticence in terms of how a TIF might affect the school districts? I think a lot of it is, is something we talked a little bit about is the, but for test, um, is the, this only makes sense if these developments do not happen, but for the TIF district, if the development is going to happen anyway, right. Then, and you know, the Oklahoma system with the chargeables is kind of unique across the country, I think, or well, anyway, but, uh, you know, if the development's going to happen anyway, so let's say, you know, all these buildings are going to be improved and they're going to go up double in property tax yeah. value without this TIF district, then the school or the county or whoever would be like, well, now you're just still in my tax revenue because sure. it was going to increase. Right. And a lot of those projects, I think that's how, I think that's close to a reality. I mean, sure. you can, it's hard to prove it in court. Um, but a lot of these projects, I think, are going to happen anyway. It's just a way to sweeten the pot for yes. usually, I think, a single developer. I agree. Okay. Yes. I mean, it is. These are projects that you know, developers are saying, "Oh, I got to have this money to close up the gap," and then you know, then they're going to lease space out to Hobby Lobby, and you know, you know, you got to wonder, well, Hobby, you know, the owners of Hobby Lobby are one of the four or five hundred richest people in the world. Could you really not close that gap up? Did you really, does that really pass a but for test? Um, mm. You know, because I mean, the reality is, is the answer to that question is, is regardless of what gets proven in court is probably no. Okay. And I think that's, you know, puts a bad taste in people's mouth. Uh, but I think the reality for down here in Choctaw Avenue is that like, I don't think anything's going to happen. I mean, I think, you know, you've renovated this building down here. Uh, I've leased a small space east of here to put in a brewery, but like, I don't think much more is going to happen than that. I think we'll be looking at a period of stagnation and probably decline that we've been in for the last number of years. I just, I don't see how that changes sure. um, in a community that is not doing anything to improve well, and the, this. And comparatively, there's, there's certainly not some big investor waiting in the wings for this you know, this pot to just get bigger, you know, not at all. If, if it were to happen, it would still continue to happen slowly, incrementally. And this might accelerate that. Oh, it would definitely accelerate that. Great. All right. Thank you for joining us for this episode of no express purpose. We'll be back hating more things, talking about more things that affect our community. And we hope to see you then.